0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at The River. This evening, what I'm going to be doing is uh, I'm going to teach you some things about changing the world that you're in. And what I mean by that is, how do I change my environment? How do I change the way my life is right now and change it in a way that God's will is displayed and And the testimony of God is magnified. How do I do that spiritually? I want to start with this before we look at some scriptures. I want you to get this truth. It's a very important truth. When someone accepts Christ as their Savior, everyone starts with the same measure of faith. In other words, there isn't one person that gets saved and God says, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of faith here because I want you to do this. Everyone starts with the same measure of faith. That's Romans 12, 3. It tells us there not to think about highly of yourself, than you ought to, that God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Say the measure. The measure. That means that's kind of like in cards. Everybody starts with the same amount of cards. We all start with the same measure of faith. But the good news is this. You can increase your faith. Now, knowing that means this, that if I'm having troubles in my marriage, I can increase my faith in the marriage arena. Or if I'm having troubles raising kids, I can increase my faith in training children about the way that they should go. Or if I'm having health issues, I can can excel in my faith and grow it so that sickness cannot find any place in my body. Can you say amen? Amen. And a reference to that would be found in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, and it's a beautiful verse because Paul says, he says, I, he says we are bound to give thanks to you. And, and it's powerful because he says we're bound to give thanks to you because it's only fitting that we would thank God for you because your faith is growing exceedingly and your love for one another is abounding. And so he says right there that faith can increase. Scriptures tell us that faith can be weak, faith can be strong, faith can be little. So if it can be little, it can be large. And so when you begin to understand that, you realize then that you're in the driver's seat as far as it is concerning your faith. I can grow my faith in the situations in my life so that I can win in those areas Or I can choose not to. It's really up to you. Now, I want you to write down these two things. Faith grows when you feed on faith food. And this is your faith food. If you feed on the word of God, your faith will grow if you do that. And also have correlating actions to it. In other words, if your actions correspond to what you are Meditating on in scriptures, your faith will always grow more and more and more and more and more and more. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. Now, I want you to get this because a lot of people get the idea that, well, so and so, they just have more faith. Uh, they were born that way. You know, God gave so and so more faith. That's why he's a billionaire. Or uh, God gave me forth uh, more faith to. Uh, an athlete, you know, in football or whatever, that's why he's done so well. The truth is everyone starts with the exact, exact same measure of faith. That faith was enough to get you saved, to translate a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That faith was enough that you could be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. That faith is enough to get you out of the old life into the new life, and it can grow exceedingly in your life. So, rather than trying to grow your money, grow your faith, rather than just having a bunch of children, grow your wisdom in training your children. Can you say amen? There needs to be an excess of individuals who say, I'm going to really excel my faith in this area in my life. Now, some people say, well, pastor, I don't agree with you. I mean, I think some people just are given more than others. And some of that comes from the parable that Jesus taught about the stewards. If you remember, it says, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like someone who goes on a long journey. Remember that? And when he leaves, he gives his goods to his servants. And then it says this, to to one servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two talents. And to another uh, servant, he gives one talent. But if you read on, it says this, that each one was given according to their own ability. In other words, ability is developed by your faith. Some people develop great ability in playing an instrument, in a skill, a trade, because they use their faith on it. Most of the great athletes that are Christians are great because they've used their faith in their profession to make themselves better. So the point I want you to see is we all start with the same thing, but you have to choose, I'm going to feed on the Word. I'm going to get a hold of this faith food. I'm going to feed on it, and I'm going to make sure that I have corresponding actions to what I'm feeding on so that my faith can grow. Because here's the, here's the bottom line. Some of you will never experience the quality of life that God has called you to, or experience the level of things that God wants to do in your life. If you do not grow in your faith, some of the mountains in our lives cannot be overcome unless we have exceedingly great faith. Some of the situations of the valleys in your life, the, the, you know, the, the situations of your past, to what, what people have sown in your life, bad seed, generational curses, many of those things cannot be overcome unless you grow in your faith. And so sometimes it's not a choice. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I got tired of being broke. I got tired of being sick and tired. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to begin to develop faith in these areas, and God began to progressively heal me of this, of that in my life so that my health became better and I had the quality of life. But I didn't have it in the beginning when I came to Christ, I was sickly and I was broke. But if you decide, okay, listen, I'm not gonna live like this anymore, Lord. I know I've been saved, I know spiritually, if I die, I go to heaven but I want some heaven here. I want your promises here. So I'm going to feed, 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 feed on the word. I'm going to get this faith food down into my spirit. I'm going to get this faith food down inside so that I can develop wisdom and revelation in this area so that I can trust God and believe God. And this mountain in my life can disappear because God doesn't want me living in the valley all my life. He wants me to move the mountains and live in the plains of blessings of my life. So that's what I want to challenge you with in that area. And there's really only three basic areas that Satan will attack it. It's always the same thing. It's either your body, health issues, or it's your family, or it's your finances. Those are three areas that he will hit you with, and especially once you give your life to Christ. And so you got to just decide those areas, I'm going to get strong in faith. Hallelujah. And then you can go ahead and get strong in your sports. Then you can go get strong in your hobbies. But God wants your faith to grow so that the devil gets out of your closet, gets out of your house, gets out of your marriage, gets out of your life. He wants your faith to grow so strong that the enemy has no place in your life anymore. And you give God praise. Amen. Now, don't take from that that if you have great faith, you don't have any problems because you're going to have problems. But there's a difference between having problems and winning over the problems. Some people just have problem after problem after problem after problem, and they never win. God's called us to win every battle that we fight, every battle. If it's cancer, win that battle. If it's marriage, win that battle. Come on, if it's, if it's mental, win that battle. Hallelujah, Jesus. So what we've got to do is be determined to do it. Now, what I'm going to show you right now is a powerful set of verses. I'm going to show you that some people come short of what they need to do to get their miracle. It's not like they don't make an effort at it, but they don't go the distance. They don't do as much as they have to do to get the results that god wants them to have so put it on the screen if you would you'll find this in matthew chapter 9 it said when jesus departed from there two blind men followed him crying out and saying son of david have mercy on us and when he had come into the house the blind man came to him and jesus said unto them do you believe that i am able to do this they said to him yes lord AND THEN HE TOUCHED THEIR EYES, SAYING, ACCORDING TO YOUR FAITH, LET IT BE TO YOU. AND THEIR EYES WERE OPENED, AND JESUS STERNLY WARNED THEM, SAYING, SEE THAT NO ONE KNOWS IT. NOW, THIS IS REALLY POWERFUL. I WANT YOU TO NOTICE THESE TWO BLIND MEN, that COME TO JESUS. THEY'RE FOLLOWING HIM, AND THEY'RE CRYING OUT, SON OF DAVID, HAVE MERCY ON US. I WANT YOU TO CIRCLE THE WORD MERCY. And I WANT YOU TO SAY THIS WITH ME GOD HAS MERCIES NOT JUST ONE MERCY MERCIES LAMENTATION CHAPTER 3 VERSE 22 TO 23 SAYS THIS IT SAYS THAT GOD'S MERCIES SAVES US FROM BEING CONSUMED SAY IT WITH ME MERCIES SAVE ME FROM BEING CONSUMED It says his compassion does not fail. And then he makes this powerful statement. They're new every morning. And then he says great is his faithfulness. In other words, God's mercies are new every morning. There's a mercy for health. There's a mercy for finances. There's a mercy for children that are wayward. There is mercy from God for every situation in your life. But you're going to have to go farther than just asking for what you don't deserve. You're going to have to believe God that God's going to do that. And so they did that. They came to Jesus, but it wasn't enough. They were still blind even after they cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. Can you say amen? Amen. They were still blind. And in fact, they followed Jesus, and so they came into Jesus' presence. But they were still blind. I want you to hear this. Many times we cry, we pray, we cry, we pray, we cry, we pray, we cry, we pray, but it doesn't change anything. We're still as sick as we were before. We're still as broke as we were before. We still have that mountain in our life as the way we did before because crying and praying won't get God to change your world. It may be a step, but it's not enough of a step. They cried out, have mercy on us. And then after they had cried and prayed, they came into his presence, and his presence was still not enough to get them delivered from the problem that they were facing. They were still blind when they stood in his presence. I want to tell you something about the presence of God. I love the presence of God. But I just want to make this real clear. This happened to me many, many years ago. We were, went to a revival, a Holy Spirit revival meeting, Southern California. During the meeting, there was an earthquake, and the chandeliers are moving or whatever. But there was something shaking going on besides the earthquake. There was the Holy Ghost moving. And I remember the Holy Spirit hit me so hard that for the next six months, there was a tangible anointing that I could feel every day of my life. Not just an inward witness. I'm talking about the heavy anointing. Fall on me. And 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 during those six months, all I would do is pray for six hours a day. It was that powerful. And, but what was funny about the whole situation was, before we went to that convention, I was at a health club, and I was working out on one of these machines doing crunches. And I didn't do it right. And I got a hernia, a low hernia. Low hernias are very pa- painful. And so I had this hernia. hernia, hernia And I was scheduled to have surgery, and my wife said, after the Spirit hit me like that, she said, well, you're not going to need to get the surgery. The presence of God has healed you. But to tell you the truth, the presence of God didn't heal me. And I was under the presence of God. I went ahead and got the, the, the operation, and of course, I'm fine from that. But what I'm saying is just being in the presence of God didn't heal me. Didn't heal me. People think that, that if I just feel God's presence, all my problems will go away. No, you got to have faith. you got to have faith for whatever it is that you're facing in your life. And you got to do more than just get in the presence of Jesus. you got to go there. And Jesus, what did he say to him? He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you really believe that God is able to do it? Most people believe that God is able, but do you believe he's willing? If you don't believe he's willing, even though you believe he's able, you'll never receive. I believe that God can heal anyone, but do you believe that he's willing to do it in your life? I believe that God can prosper everyone and everyone, but do you really believe, believe, believe that he will in your life? He's willing to do it? It's not enough... That you would pray and cry and cry out to God and come before God in His presence, you've got to go farther than that. You gotta believe that God is able and willing to minister to you. To set you free. You gotta believe that when you cry out in faith, God hears you. It isn't enough that you just prayed. You have to believe. I tell you what, I've been healed many times in my life, and there's two types of healing. There's what the Bible calls the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, where there's a physical manifestation that comes on you in divine healing where someone is healed. I had a lady that had a partial uh, hysterectomy, and the doctor said she can't have children. And the Spirit fell on me. I laid hands on her, and the Lord healed her, and he had a son named Adam. That was a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Most Christians live and die for that. They don't understand that faith in prayer will do the same thing, it just doesn't come with the manifestation. I was healed of allergies I had all my life without anything, any manifestation of of gifts of healing. All I did is go to God's Word and believe God's Word and quote God's Word and stand on God's Word and thank God that I had received what God's Word said. And within a a nine-month period of time, I was healed of that infirmity in my life that I had had my whole life. (laughs) This is what I'm trying to tell you. Praise God for when there's a manifestation. But when you're on your job, there may not be a manifestation, but you can trust God's Word. Praise God when there's a manifestation in church and and the Word of Wisdom and the Word of Knowledge goes forth and you receive it and, and you get direction and all that, but you can stand on the Word of God and believe the Word of God and God can speak to you in your heart and give you wisdom and revelation and bring you into the blessing of God. In other words, you're never in a place where he doesn't answer prayer. You're never in a place where he doesn't move by your faith. You're never in a place where he won't rescue from your troubles. Never, ever, 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 ever. You don't have to always have a manifestation of the Spirit to be delivered. Now, praise God, I wish we had it all the time. It'd be so easy. But the gifts operate as the Spirit wills your prayers operate as you will in connection with God's will and the life that we live in we've had some crisis in our life where I didn't feel no presence of God it was rough my mind's going crazy feelings are messed up on me and I only could do the one thing Lord I'm going to your word I know you hear me. I rebuke you, Satan. I come against those evil thoughts that are heating my mind. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to bleed the Word of God. And then God will come through and give you manifestations of peace and joy. But you got to have that faith food that you stand on in the trial instead of wait, waiting for everything just to feel just right. Amen? And it it's my job as a pastor to get you healed, to get you whole, to get you blessed abundantly above all that you can think of magic. You remember the leper that came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2? He came to Jesus, and he said, Lord, if you're able and willing, can you heal me? And Jesus reached forth and said, I'm willing, touched him. He was healed he believed that jesus was able but he didn't know if jesus was willing say amen everybody let me take it a little bit farther here i think we run into this problem when you study scriptures we read of abraham's faith jeremiah I- isaiah all the prophets apostles so forth, and we look at their miracles and go, well, that was great. God ministered to them, but understand something. The Word is living and powerful, and it wasn't just for them. It was for you and me. The Word of God is never for one person. It's for everybody. You say, well, God hasn't told me to walk on the water. He has in this sense. If he told Peter he could walk in the circumstances in the middle of a storm and the storm wouldn't overtake him, he's telling us that we can walk in the storm in in the the middle of a a terrible situation and God's power can sustain us even though all hell is breaking loose around us, praise God. The word is living, it's powerful. Every word of God is for us today and it will build you up, it'll charge you up. Think about this. The Word of God is living. Say living. And powerful. It's not a book just about wisdom. It's a living book that God wrote for us that can save us from every turmoil and trial. You're right. I'm a word preacher, and I'm proud of it. Praise God. I am not cutting back from the Word at all. That's what set me free. Jesus described this concept of going far enough when he was teaching on prayer one time. And he said this, he gave this parable of a man whose friends came to him in the middle of the night. They needed some food. They had come to stay with him, and he didn't have any bread. And so here's what he did, and this is powerful, what he did. He went out and found the guy's house, Knocked on the door, but the guy wouldn't open the door, but he kept knocking and knocking and knocking until finally the guy opened the door and gave him what he came for. And Jesus taught that in connection to prayer. Now, why did he teach it that way? Because then he summed it up and said this, ask and you shall receive, seeking, you shall find, knocking, it shall be opened. In other words, it's not enough that we ask. We could ask a thousand times. It's not enough until we receive what we ask. It's not enough that we seek and 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 seek. If we don't find our seeking is a waste of time. It doesn't do any good to knock, 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 knock if you don't kick the door open. You gotta get through the door. Can you follow me? That's why Jesus gave the parable the way it was. The guy had to find the house. That was the first thing he had to do had to knock on the door, and he couldn't, and he wouldn't leave until he got what he came for. Are you going to leave before you get what you come for when you're in prayer? Are you going to give up? Are you going to say, Lord, you know, obviously, no, 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 you stay at it. You keep going in the word. You keep knocking. Lord, I'm not giving up on this thing till I get an answer from your word, from you. I am not leaving without my bread. That's why he stresses that in the proportion that he does for that particular purpose. And then I love in the story when he tells the blind man, he says, listen, guys, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Oh, we believe that you're able, you're willing to do that? And then he touches them and says, be it done unto you according to your faith. In other words, I'm not going to do any more for you than what you believe for. Think about that. GOD SAID HE'S NOT GOING TO DO anything, for, any, ANYTHING MORE FOR US THAN WHAT OUR FAITH BELIEVES FOR. THAT WAS A GAME-CHANGER WHEN I LEARNED THAT. I SAID, LORD, I'M NOT ASKING FOR ENOUGH. I'M ASKING FOR SO LITTLE, I GOT TO KEEP ASKING EVERY MINUTE JUST TO SUSTAIN MYSELF. I'M GOING TO INCREASE THE ODDS A LITTLE BIT HERE I'm going to increase what I'm asking for. I'm going to increase not only to be delivered, but to have the mountain removed in my life. Whoo! Because it said, according as you have believed. You ever meet anybody who gets jealous of you? They drive up and they see you in that nice new car. Oh, they should give that money to Missions. Or you invite them over for a barbecue and they go oh man how much money you spend on this house be it done unto you according to your faith i just when i get around people that are really really blessed i don't get jealous of them. i might just say wow you really stretch your faith to get this far hallelujah could you rub a little bit on me Come on, just rub a little bit on me, praise God. I'm tired of fast food. I want a restaurant. Come on. I'm f- tired of having to pray in tongues to get my car started. I want to just push a button and it starts. Come on, praise God. I- I- I'm tired of being in a house. I'm sweating like bullets. When I go to his house, he's got air conditioning. I'm cool. I'm tired of sitting on a couch that feels like a log. I- come on, say amen, praise God. According, According. According. <laughs> According to what you believe it is given to you, the Bible says. Now, let me give you a a balance to this. This will be helpful. I've seen this because I came out of the Word of Faith movement. I've seen this a lot where people confess things and it's out of pride instead of really out of faith. Here's the, the way to stay out of pride. Never confess anything that your works don't correspond to it. Don't ever say you can do that when your works are down here. Don't ever say, oh, I can do these great things up here unless your works are way up there. Because if you do, it's out of pride. And what comes before a fall? Pride. So whenever you are confessing the word, make sure that your actions correspond with what you've declared in faith. If they don't, you're going to get in trouble. See, a lot of people will say great things and not do great things. A lot of people will do great things and not confess great things. So they do great things, but because of what they say after they do it, they nullify their faith in the situation. Let me say it this way. Don't go skydiving... And tell everybody that you can skydive. And when you jump out of the plan the way down, go, I don't know if I can do this. Don't do it. In other words, your, your words and your actions have to correspond together. And if one is left out, then it means you're either in pride. And the very first verse that we read here in Romans 12... 3 says, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but according to the measure of faith that God has dealt to you. And then he goes down and talks about to prophesy according to that faith, to serve according to that faith, to be cheerful according to that faith. In other words, don't think beyond what your faith declares and corresponds with. Don't think you're somebody when you haven't done anything hardly at all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, don't take that, you, you are all a somebody, you're all blessed, and you're all highly favored to God. You understand the context of what I'm talking about? Because all you'll do is set yourself back if you get cocky. I've seen people come in to be a pastor, I'll just believe God for a million dollars to come in, and they're having a hard time paying their rent. Give me a break. You know how much a million dollars is? Don't come to me and tell you you got faith for a million dollars unless you have believed God for $100,000 or a half a million dollars. Don't tell me you got faith for it. You may want to have faith for it, but you don't have faith for it yet. No one starts at the bottom of the ladder. Anyone that starts at the top of the ladder is probably because they inherited it and they don't have the character to lay hold of it, and they usually run into trouble. But most of us have to stop on the bottom of the ladder. We start on the bottom. We don't got nothing, and we just believe in God just to get by, and God touches us and helps us, and we just build upon that and build upon that, and God begins to exalt us more and more and more. Hallelujah, Jesus. And it's all about victory, isn't it? It isn't about money. It isn't about things. It's about trusting God for whatever God's purpose and calling is in your life. You want to trust him that you'll be the best father. You want to trust him that you'll be the best wife. You want to trust him that you'll raise your children up in the way that they shall go and they will serve God. You, you want to you get good at what your purpose and calling is in your life. Even a secular job, you want to be the best at it. People go, wow, this guy is so good. And they don't realize because it's Christ is moving in you. Come on, we don't need losers, we need winners. And God wants to do that for you personally in your life. Now, let me bring you more of a sobering note here. In the Bible, when you study it, you'll find that Jesus talks about believers or people in the church. He calls them sheep and goats or wheat and tares. And he says, one day there's going to be a separation of the goats and the sheep and a separation of the wheats and the tares. But he never says there'll be a separation of the sheep from the sheep or the wheat from the wheat. It's always the wheat and the tares. He draws a distinction between both. And let me tell you the group that he's talking about. This is all over America. America. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus is the Messiah of the world? Yes, I do. Praise God. Do you know you can't get saved by just believing that? I said you can't get saved just by believing that. It's a start, but it won't get you saved. You know what gets you saved? Paul said this. What gets you saved is to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing him as Lord. In other words, believing that Jesus is Lord over your life. That's what gets you saved. AND WHEN YOU BELIEVE THAT JESUS IS LORD AFTER YOUR LIFE, and you really believe it, then he starts to be Lord of your life, and you begin to live differently, and you don't live the way you were in the world. You're not a goat anymore. Now you're a sheep. You're not a tar anymore. Now you're a wheat. There's a distinction, but people who believe in God, they say, I believe in Jesus, all this stuff, and they live the same way they lived before they came to Christ. They are tares. They are not saved. They are not born again. When you're born again, things change because the righteousness of God is inside of us it changes and so I get a little frustrated I hate dead religion I hate people that just go to church all the time and they have no relationship with Jesus because they're deceived themselves and what they need to do is be woke up And wait a minute you got to accept Christ not just as your savior but as your Lord he is your savior but I need to believe that he's Lord over my life. If I don't, I'm not going to get out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, that's it got to be for you because, or no, not for you. For someone you told me about. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, Paul, when he evangelized, he was... He's like a lot of people today. He did whatever he could to get people saved. First Corinthians, he said this. He says, When I'm with the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. When I'm with the Gentiles, I be like the Gentiles to win the Gentiles. But then he says, Not without the law of God. In other words, he may dress like the Gentiles, but he didn't live like the Gentiles. He may be dressed like the Jews, but he didn't live by their customs and their sacrifices anymore because he was forgiven through christ so there was a distinction i see too many preachers in the body of christ that are in the bar or get taking shots and in the world and dancing and all that in fact i had a couple of the church go back to a, another church and the pastor invited them out and they went out dancing and drinking oh that's really a great example you carnal heathen you you need to get saved you take the sheep and treat them like that? Amen. All right, we'll move them right along here. Praise God. But there's a difference here that I want you to see. And here's the, the power in this. When you come to Christ, the power of God is ignited inside of you through the word of God. The Bible says that because of his seed inside of us, we cannot sin on the inside because inside our spirits want to serve God. We sin in our minds. We sin in our bodies. We do all that. But inside of our hearts, we want to do the right thing. That's because of the born-again experience. So the power is on. You remember the story of the man that was at the pool for 38 years, and he was waiting till the pool would get stirred. And when it got stirred, it was a miracle of God. The first person didn't got healed. And he tried to be there at the right day, at the right time, at the right place, but because he couldn't walk, it was hard for him to get down there. And so before he got down there, someone else was able to slide in and get healed, and he was left out. So he knew that a miracle would not happen in his life until God initiated it. He had to respond to the initiation of what God had done to get the miracle. He knew that. But he didn't realize that the word had become flesh and that Jesus was being led by the Spirit to go talk to him. And you know the story he went to, and said, do you want to get healed? Of course I want to get healed. Now I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. The living word was alive. The power of God was active in Christ. The power of God was active in Christ, even when people were not taking advantage of it. One of the greatest stories, I think, is when Jesus was in his hometown. He's in a building. He's got a bunch of religious leaders. It's packed out. No one can get in. And it says that the presence to heal was manifested. People could feel the healing power of Christ, yet not one religious leader got healed. Not one person with their many infirmities was healed. Until all of a sudden they looked up, dust is coming down and somebody's tearing up the roof and there's four guys that have faith letting their friend down and then a miracle happened. The power was active all the time. But they were the only ones that got healed. The woman with the issue of blood a lot of people touched Jesus during that day. She was the only one that got healed. The power was manifested, it was turned on. You know, when you buy a new home and you move into it, you don't call the power company and say, Turn on the power. The power is already on. All you do is turn it on in the house, hit the switch. What I want you to understand the power of God, if you're a Christian, is already on. You seem to hit the switch. Hit the switch of faith. 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 It's already there. And God will light up your light and bless you in a great way. Hallelujah. Can you stand just one more truth here tonight, everybody? Come on, if you can't, give God praise. Come on, help me out. Give give God praise. Give God praise. So good. Why don't you stand up while I'm preaching this so you don't fall asleep on me here. (laughs) This is a verse that is a very interesting verse. It's in Romans 8, verse 11. And he's talking about the difference between having the Spirit and not having the Spirit. And he says, he says, but if you have the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in you. He who raised Christ from the dead, he says, will quicken your mortal body, Woo! quicken your mortal body through the spirit that dwells inside of you. That's a powerful verse. Most people interpret it as referring to the resurrection, but it's not the resurrection because he's talking about mortal bodies. When you're resurrected, it's not with a mortal body. Your body is changed. That which is mortal becomes immortal. That which is corruptible, which is mortal, becomes incorruptible. The resurrected body is not mortal. He's talking about your body right now. He's saying that if you believe in in him who raised Jesus from the dead, then he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken or make alive in your mortal body. Give you life. Oh, glory to God. Do you understand what that means? That means the Holy Spirit is inside of every one of you to, to make you better. But it's not limited just to divine healing. It's beyond that. It's part of it, but it's not the whole package. If you read on it, it says, Therefore, we are not dead to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will surely die. But if you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. What's he talking about? He's talking about the deeds of the flesh would be worry. They'd be oppression. They could be sickness and disease. It could be uh just feeling overwhelmed feel like you can't do it feel like your life is worthless you know condemnation would be a a deed of the flesh where you just feel condemned you don't feel like you're accepted you don't feel like you can do anything but the bible says that the spirit within us will give us life how does how does he give us life when you're feeling condemned you just got to go to the word and say wait a minute i've been made the righteousness of god I've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and as he is, so am I in this world. And when you do, your mortal body is made alive by the Spirit of God. Or you've been struggling and struggling and struggling. To do something you got to do for your family and yourself, and you got to a place where well, I can't do this, I can't do this, and you feel like you're defeated, and then you go to the Word and go, wait a minute, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you begin to declare it in faith, I can do it, I know I'm afraid, but I can do it, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that, that puts to death The deeds of the body. Paul said this: He says, If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Chew on that a while. If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit, he says, is alive because of righteousness Hallelujah. hallelujah the righteousness to do all we can do the righteousness to know that we can go to god and god will hear us the righteousness of god that says listen lord whatever you are leading me to do because i'm in right standing with you your favor your grace your blessing will be on my life come on give god praise tonight everybody that's that's smoking good stuff smoking good stuff So the point I want you to see tonight is the power is active. Maybe you didn't turn on the light switch, but the power's on. Maybe you haven't turned on the light switch in your marriage, but the power's on. Maybe you haven't turned the light switch on in your children's room, but the power's on. So what I'm telling you to do is simply do this. Whether there's a manifestation of the spirit in your life, or whether or not it's just an inward witness, you can go to this word and you can tell God what his word says and you can declare it and you can believe that you have not prayed in vain, but God has heard you and you know right now that God is working on behalf of your need in your life. You know, he's setting you up for success. You know, the angels are busy getting ready. Praise God. Yeah, this guy's going to be totally out of debt within a couple years. His faith is working. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the River, and we're doing life together.